listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. About the spirit of mammon. And we started on this a couple of weeks ago. And man, this really is just something that has really come alive inside of Liz and I, and we love, uh, we, we've been talking about this a lot just in our own personal lives in the last uh, three, four weeks, but uh, understanding what the spirit of mammon is and how it works uh, really is very eye-opening once you see it, and this is what I've come to understand is that, you know, Jesus said that I will give you another, a helper, and he will help you, he'll comfort you, and you know what else he'll also do? He will teach you. So let me ask you a very logical question. Why would we need to be taught? And the logical answer is, is because we have either been ignorant or because we have been taught wrong and we need retaught. And what I understand is that the Holy Spirit is faithful to teach us everything that Jesus revealed and everything that's in the Word of, the God, in the, in the Word of God. But I also understand that the enemy will also teach or train people's thinking in particular ways. I ministered a, a message on a Wednesday night, I, I don't know, two years ago probably, and it was titled, What Spirit Has Trained Your Mind? Because that's the way that the enemy works in our life. He doesn't, just, he doesn't move through power, he moves through deception. And if he can get people to see and believe things that are not accurate and are indeed in opposition to truth, then people will be bound by what they believe to be true, which is, in fact, deception, and it's a lie from the enemy, and so they're not free. But once the Holy Spirit comes, the Spirit of truth, who will teach us all things, that's when freedom comes. And if, and if we will value having revelation knowledge from the Word in our hearts more than we would value somebody waving their hand over us, the church would be a lot more free than what it is. And I'm not going to say any more about that. But yeah, I will say a little bit more about that. It's just, and I, and I don't, and I, I don't uh, not want this, but it's interesting how you can have, like when a guest speaker comes, like when Joseph Z comes, I'm telling you, this place will be filled. I believe, I, and I want, I want it to be that way. And I believe that we'll have to have overflow out there because there's going to be so many people. And it's going to be so awesome. But then I sometimes I look and I think, why, why are people so, and we'll have guests come and stuff like that. So, but why would people be like, oh, guest speaker, boom, I'm going to be there. Versus like, it's Sunday and I'm going to go and hear the word. Why would they do that? It's because we value everything's going to be okay. Let me pray for you. Versus I want to learn, apply it so that I can grow. And for someone who loves to teach, it's, it's hard for me to see that sometimes. So, and, I love, and I love imparting to people. I love laying hands on people and seeing God do a quick work, boom, just like that. But I also understand what's brought me and continues to bring me stability in my life is to take what is in here and be willing to go to the word and say, God, I'm going to take your word and I'm going to place it in here so that anything that's already in here that doesn't belong can be pushed out so that only your word can be there as the foundation, as the truth, as the light, as the hope, as the life, so that I can continue moving forward in victory as you have called me to live in. Amen. So I love uh, understanding 
And I don't get into demonology, really. I've met some people that they want to understand everything about every demon or whatever. There's very, very little virtue in trying to understand all the things about demonic stuff. I think it's good to have an idea about things. But uh, you don't have to get in to discern a ton. But when it comes to the spirit of mammon, it's been, it's good. It's been good for us, and it's good to understand a little bit how it works so that you can recognize, because sometimes when you see it, you're like, oh my gosh, I've been living that way. I've been thinking that way. I've been believing that way. And the Bible says, and we know it in Matthew chapter six and in verse, and actually we're going to pull up the passion translation. So we're going to do Matthew six nineteen through 34. We're going we're gonna to look at the passion translation, but just very quickly in the new King James, it says that you can't serve God and mammon. So you can't serve the spirit of mammon and you can't serve the spirit of God at the same time with your money. You're either going to serve one or you're going to serve the other. And I know for Liz and I, and Liz shared her testimony a couple weeks ago. It was so awesome. If you missed two weeks ago, you really need to go back and hear it because it, it really laid a foundation for what we're going to talk about today. Although you're going to be blessed today, you know, either way, but she just shared her testimony and really both of I have, were, were captivated, captured, um, uh, oppressed, or I don't, I hate to say the word demonized, but I guess it's what it is. Whenever you're being, have been trained by the enemy in particular ways, but we got set free from the demonic spirit of mammon. And I know that's strong language, but I'm telling you, the vast majority of people think about money and they think about money based on how they've been trained by the spirit of mammon and not by the spirit of God. So we're going to identify a little bit more of that today. But I want to read this, Matthew 6. And do we have the Passion Translation pulled up? Matthew 6, 19. And we're going to read all the way to the end of the chapter. We meant to do this two weeks ago, and we failed to. So Matthew 6 and 19, it says, Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what, your va- what you value as your treasure. Well, that's a pretty powerful thing to say. You, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will it be? How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Can I interject? Absolutely. Okay. So, I, you know, I've been in Matthew 6 for a long time. I love it. The Lord was revealing so much to me, and I got to those verses, and I was like, no problem. I have light dwelling in me, and I definitely don't serve the spirit of mammon, and I definitely love God, so I'm going to skim past this and go on to the next part where it says what he's getting ready to read, do not worry for anything. And then, you know, when I got revealed to the spirit of mammon, my I was like, oh my gosh. So, you know, never take 
the word lightly because it, it changes everything. And you might say that I don't have this problem or this is not something that I deal with. But I, my testimony was like I had an agonizing, just just a, a nagging. It wasn't agonizing. It was a nagging, like just anxiety that I had learned to suppress by the word of God. But it was never dealt with. So I would wake up kind of anxious about money and I would go to sleep anxious about money. And I'm so I'm so thankful that there, you know, you should be so thankful about the te- this teaching because it is actually, it will set you free and change your life's course where all of a sudden you're like, I can give into every good work that I so desire because I am not limited to money. I'm actually going to make money my servant instead of being a servant of money, which is the spirit of mammon. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I love the word and I love how the Lord, he's he is so good and he's so faithful that you know he'll just bring you back to places that you skimmed over and just bring revelation which is the light it's revelation to your heart if you're if you're asking if you're seeking and if you're willing yeah amen i want to do this real quick i just want everybody this is kind of funny but i want to do this real quick i want you to place one hand here and i want you to place one hand here what we're going to do is we're going to pray over our mind which is in our soul and we're going to pray over our physical brain and so father we thank you in Jesus' name for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that God, not just knowledge, but revealed knowledge, that God, what is true will be revealed to us. The curtain will be pulled back so we can see clearly what is true and what is false. And Father, we thank you. God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so, Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that, God, our eyes are being opened up. Even as I speak, our eyes are being opened up right now. And God, as truth is laid out that we see the light, we see the truth from your word that shed, that totally shreds the darkness. And darkness cannot be there because the light completely drives out every ounce of darkness. And God, we will not be bound We will not be bound by the spirit of mammon. We will not be bound by wrong thinking or residue that's that's there from the spirit of mammon, but we'll be bound by your word. We'll be bound by truth in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, I had a question, and I, I I meant to say this even last week, and I want to say this now. I had a question given to me by somebody, and they said, and it was so good, and when they asked it, I said, I should be asking that question as the leader of the church, but it was so good. And he, and he said, what, does, what needs to happen for the church, for the people in the church to be completely out of debt? And I thought, that is a really, really good question. And at, when he said that to me, I began to inquire of the Lord and I said, Lord, that is a good question. And I know some answer, but I really want your wisdom on this. And right at that same time, God began to really uh, speak to Liz and I even more so about the spirit of mammon. And so that's why we're revealing this to you today, because I believe, listen to this, every single one of us should be 100% debt-free to where we are the lender and we are not the borrower. We stop living hand to mouth, but we've got more than enough and we are able to do anything and everything that the Lord asks us to do. And we are able to do the things that we want to do. When we want to buy something, when we need to buy something, when we, whatever we need to do, we can just do it and we don't have to go and we get out of this, this crazy cycle of always going and borrowing money 
And when you borrow money, you're taking a bet that you're going to make enough to pay back the debt that you, that you took. You're, you're, you're taking a bet on your future to pay that debt off. I'm not coming against anyone. We have, we have loans, all right? I'm not coming against you for that. And it's good to leverage loans. It can be good to leverage loans if you need to. It's fine. There's no condemnation. But what I am saying is that we need to, come, we need to get to the, to the idea to where we get out of debt and money. We control money and money does not control us. And when we can do that, and I really, I believe that this is a message that we're going to see even more of just stewardship and understanding the spirit of mammon. We're going to see more of in the body of Christ. And it's because, you know, we've had all these prophecies about a great transfer of wealth. I've heard that a lot lately. And I have always believed that there would be a great transfer of wealth. And I still believe there will be a great transfer of wealth. Amen. But, you know, most people, when they, when they hear that and when they talk about it, and, and almost in the same sentence, they talk about their cars and their homes and their boats and their toys, and I'm not against those things. We have some of those things. I'm not against that. But a great transfer of wealth coming from the, the, the camp of the wicked to God's people would not be there or wouldn't come to us so that we could buy more homes and boats and cars and go on vacations. It would be there to put into the gospel so that his word will come forward so that he can wrap this thing up and we can start the millennial reign of Jesus sooner rather than later. Amen. I know that's in God's timetable or whatever. I'm not saying that, but praise God. There are things that need to happen and the church needs more money, but before the money can come to us, us, we have to know what to do with it. Right. And I know for me, I had a mentality for a long time and, and I, there's nothing wrong with being like, I want to live at this level, but I had a level, it was lower than where I'm at now. It wasn't a very high level, but I had this level that I wanted to live at. And it was an all about me mentality. And I thought, you know, if I had had a million bucks or 2 million bucks drop in my lap, I would have squandered it. I would have wasted it. I would have not known what to do with it. Now I know exactly what to do with the money God brings in. Did you right. have something? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the great transfer of wealth, which is something that we're all really excited for and have prayed for and believe God that is going to happen. But literally that transfer of wealth, it's for the kingdom of God. Not that we can't have some benefit from it, but it's for the Lord to do his work That's right. in his church. It's for him to see his kingdom grow. And so if we aren't good stewards of the things that we have, and if we're not the ones who are telling money where to go and money what to do, then why do we think that the Lord would ever entrust us with that transfer of wealth? Yes. So it's so important to get a hold of this revelation and not be led around by the spirit of mammon which is also we're going to talk about fear, so that you can be, be a receptor of the transfer of wealth. Like, it is God's greatest pleasure to give to his children, but he wants us. He knows that that great amount of money or just increase, it's probably not like one huge lump sum of money, uh, we, we would like to think that, but it's usually little by little because we learn how to manage things little by little right. as we're good with the little, and then we keep getting more and more. And so this is so important. This is something that you need to just cry out to the Lord and just say, Lord, open my eyes so that I can see. Lord, I thank you that I am a good manager. Lord, I thank you that you can trust me because you see, money isn't the most important thing to the Lord. Actually, we can tell that it is one of the least important things to him because what we walk on in heaven 
heaven is gold. And what right. we value the most here on earth is gold. So that just goes to show you perspective and that yeah. we need to have a shift yeah. and that we need to be, you know, the c- controllers. But his greatest pleasure is the hearts and the lives of people coming into his kingdom. And That's if right. he sees that we can actually steward money and tell it where to go, then he says that I can make you ruler over the hearts and lives of people, right. which is what he most desires. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm literally so excited about this revelation. Yeah, amen, amen. So I want to finish reading this. So good. I want to finish reading this or else we'll never get to the end of this. And this just really, it, it fits, especially um, starting, which we haven't started anything today, but it's been good so far. Amen. And so in verse 25, and again, this is the Passion Translation. It's a little different. I just like the way that it worded it. So Matthew 6 and 25, it says, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life for all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Uh, isn't it more than the price of natural gas as well, by the way? Um, look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or, or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides, for, uh, provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they? So which of you by worrying could add anything to your life? And why why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil, and yet not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the metal with hay, which which is here for such a short time and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need, even though you live with such little faith? <laughs> so then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Don't your, uh, doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. So awesome, so powerful, and so timely because it is the day that we are living in. I'll just be honest with you. It's very possible that things get way worse before they get better. I'm not sure what's going to take place. I don't know what will happen in the stock market. I mean, it looks pretty good right now. I actually have just a few dollars in Bitcoin, and I've been looking at like my whatever, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, because and now I'm up to like 500 whopping dollars or something. But anyways, so there are some positive signs of things, but then there's all kinds of things that are going on that look so horrible. All of the coronavirus stuff and all of the all of the crazy things that are happening. And if we are not careful and our eyes are not fixed properly, then we could find our ourselves worrying, like Jesus says here, just like all of the unbelievers, but why would we worry if we know who our God is? And I think the thing comes back to the start of this. He says that you can't serve God and mammon, and then he goes on listing all of these things that people do, and there's no logical reason for it. So I think the conclusion would be is that if you are worrying, if you are striving, if you are fretting, if you are concerned, then you're not really truly trusting in God, you're trusting in mammon. 
And that is the point that he's making here. And again, there's no condemnation. And, you know, putting your trust in something, sometimes it, it's, it's just a byproduct of, how we li- of, of, of the world we live in. And so trusting the Lord has to be an intentional thing. But if you don't do that, you're going to find yourself trusting in your ability. You're going to find yourself trusting in the stock market. You're going to find yourself going, oh, the gas prices are going, are going higher. Oh, my gosh, look, at the, the gas prices are going down. This is great. We can afford to go on vacation. Guess what? If God wants you to go on vacation and you're trusting him, you could travel around the world at $10 a gallon, and it still isn't going to matter because he is more than able to provide all, all of our needs, not just some of them, but all of them. This is about shifting our focus from natural things to spiritual things. And when we do this, we posture and position ourselves for more to come to us because we are trusting in him, even with what we have and sometimes with what we don't have, saying, God, you are my source, not me, the stock market, the gas prices, or anything else. Hallelujah. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about mammon and we talked about a whole... um, what, what do we call that? Uh, the, the list of the, um, oh, come on now. You were the one, oh my goodness. Symptoms. There we go. I couldn't find the word. Symptoms of the spirit of mammon. And if you remember, we drew a, a, a line on the board and we talked about how that mammon uh, would, would, it works through fear. It works through the spirit of fear. It works through fear. And on one end of the spectrum, if you want to go ahead and write that up there, that would be good. On one end of the spectrum, we talked about fear being um, a, a refusal to look at anything. And on the other end of the fear spectrum, is that uh, a person must know everything. And so on one end of the spectrum, do you have the same notes I do? Okay. Uh, Huh? Fear, just like that. You got it. You're on it. Okay, so on one end of the spear, the spear, that was, whoa, that was almost really bad. One end of the fear spectrum, thank you, Jesus, no cuss words are coming out today. Uh, Anyways, um, you have a, a fear that will lead you to not even want to look at the circumstances because you're too fearful to really see what's going on. And Liz talked about how that she was in that, that situation. Um, you're going to have, okay, this is bothering me. You're going to have to make the line bigger. Let's draw a line down the middle. Here we go. I am particular. Here we go, like that. And then write fear above here. And then, yeah, you got that one? I'll just say we can conquer anything because we had no heat on our lower level of our house last night. So, yeah, that was an interesting night. So, anyways, but here we are. Um, So, anyways, this is one one side of the spectrum. And I want to move over and hit the other one real quick, and then you can come back and write this. So, one side of fear is a refusal to look at anything. The other side is you're so fearful that you have to know every single detail. But that's one, if you can call it one sword or one side of the sword of mammon. And mammon will also use flesh. It will cause people to get into flesh and to look at fleshly things and to think in fleshly ways. And so flesh also has a spectrum to it. And on one end of the spectrum is complacency. You will find complacency And this is like kind of like me, my four, no more. Or you find people that have a welfare mentality that they're just complacent and mammon really has robbed them not only of working, but the reward of working, which God put those things in the earth and working is a great thing. And on the other end of the flesh spectrum 
is a lust for more. It's a lust to have more. So on one end, it's completely opposite of the other one, but they both are fleshly. And it's, and it's a way that the spirit of mammon will work. You can have somebody that has both of these things in operation, or you could have somebody that might heavy on one, but a little bit on the other, or heavy on the other and a little bit on the one. But this is how the spirit of mammon comes in and wields its stuff in our life. It works through fear, and then it also works through flesh. And again, on one end of the flesh spectrum is a complacency, and I'm going to talk about this. And on the other end is a lust for more. Like no matter how much you have, you always want more. I know for uh, me that I've always been a really hard worker, and so I've not been afraid to work. I've never been a complacent person, but I've also watched over the years how I've had to go uh, back in prayer and say, Lord, I don't really need that. I just want that, and there's nothing wrong with having wants. That's fine, but if you're driven by your wants, it becomes unhealthy, and it's something that will allow the spirit of mammon uh, to work in. So now, I'm going to talk about, and if you would write this other one, I want to talk about very specifically how to deal with fear, and then I'm going to talk about how to deal with flesh. Is this making sense to everybody? I thought if we can write this out, this will make a lot more sense. And so two weeks ago, we only talked about fear and we didn't get to the flesh side of it. But this again is the spirit of mammon and how it will wield both of these things to have access in our life. And so on one end of the fear spectrum, it's a refusal to look at anything concerning your finances or anything like that. The other one is you must know everything. But ultimately, what both of these things do, what fear does is it destroys your peace. Fear destroys peace. What the Lord, the Lord gave me an incredible definition, and I, I probably quote this every day of my life, an incredible definition for fear. And it's any thought... Now listen to this. It's any thought that produces tormenting emotions. Anybody ever been tormented in here before? It's any thought that produces tormenting emotions based on speculation of what may or may not happen. And so when we get into speculating things and we have thoughts that like, I'm not sure what's going to happen here and I don't know how this is going to happen. And like even the gas prices for a split second, I saw something that said it was, and it was totally contradictory. It said that it was, it was going to be 60 to 70% higher. And then it said 60 to 70 times higher. Well, that's different than 60 to 70% higher. And so I thought, well, our electric bill is either going to go up $100 or it's going to go up $15,000, one of the two. I'm not really sure what it is. But either way, I thought, who gives a rip? I mean, I don't think that it should do that. Nobody should be allowed to do that kind of stuff. But if it does, it does. Who's my source? Who's my provider? But there was a time in my life when I was sitting and thinking, oh, what am I going to do? I remember when the gas prices, I had bought a gas guzzling vehicle I've always had gas guzzling vehicles because of work or whatever, but I remember I bought one years ago when the gas was like, you know, two fifty a gallon, and then it went up to like four dollars a gallon. And I can remember having these conversations like with Liz, like we got to be really careful how many times we travel into town. We got to be really careful how many times we travel to St. Louis. And and you know, there's there can be wisdom in things like that, but there also can be fear. You just have to know which side you're falling on. Amen. I mean, so we've got a car that gets better gas mileage than the other one, and if it's just her and I, we'll use wisdom and we'll drive somewhere that costs us less money. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we got all of the kids and they can't fit in the smaller vehicle, then obviously we take the bigger vehicle because we need it, and we don't worry about spending more money on gas, whether it's $2 a gallon or $200 a gallon. God is our source, amen? And so, but when we get into speculation, it robs us of our peace. And that is a peace is a promise 
that we have that's part of the kingdom that we are in, that we are supposed to be people that live in peace. Let me just ask you, let me just see a show of hands. Who in here knows exactly what I'm talking about? And you've had times where you have struggled with being at peace. Come on, be honest with me. Because of things that were going on in your life in the world, basically every hand in here. So this really, oftentimes when you're talking about money in particular, this is how the enemy will come. The spirit of mammon will come and try to rob us of our peace. But our peace belongs to us. And I just refuse to allow the devil to rent space in my mind any longer. And I've just gotten to a point where I'm like, nope, I see the circumstances. I see what's going on, but I'm not going to sit and dwell on something that I can't fix because fear involves torment. And so if you get to where you're tormented, it can be a sign that, oh my gosh, I'm actually in fear. And this can be with anything. It can be about money. It can be about relationships. It can be about anything. But when you find yourself being tormented in your soul, that's when you need to go, you know what? I'm actually in fear. And the reason I'm in fear is it's not because just some overwhelming, strong, demonic spirit has totally captured my whole life. It's because I'm thinking really ridiculous. It's because I'm thinking really negative. I'm allowing my thoughts to go to a place that I should not allow them to go. And when we do that, that's when the enemy is able to come in and totally beat us over the head with stuff that may or may not happen, ultimately bringing us into a tormented place. This Jesus said, don't worry. About, worrying is not going to add one cupid to your stature. It's not going to, do you hear that? You can't get any taller by worrying, amen? So there's not anything that worry is ever going to do except bring torment and we ultimately lose our peace. But now let me tell you how to fix this, how to deal with losing your peace. And it's, to, it's so simple, but it's to shift your focus. You simply shift your focus and you will stop the enemy from robbing the peace that rightly belongs to you. I'm going to look at a few verses here quickly. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. If we can pull this up on the screen, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Look at this. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Faith, we could rightly say, is, is an opposition to fear, correct? Well, the way that you get built up in the faith is that you, and you abound in it. Can we pull that back up there again? We abound in it with thanksgiving. What is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is taking your focus from down here to up here. Thanksgiving is when you, you don't look at what you don't have, but you look at what you do have. I know for me, this is something, even, even through my, uh, all, of, well, all my life, I've had to continue to train myself to, Kent, be thankful for what you do have. Because I'm somebody that I always, now I've dealt with the flesh side of it, like, oh, I want more, I want a new truck, I want a bigger house. And I've dealt with that stuff like, like a lot of people have. But now I've got, I've got ministry goals and vision goals and soul goals and all kinds of things that I've got stirring in my heart that I want. But at the same time, I'm believing for more. I've had to learn to be thankful for what I do have. And that is extremely important. And there's a balance that we have to learn to walk in. If we don't, we'll walk around being discontent, even, even believing for spiritual things. You can always be wanting more, but not be content with what you have. And it doesn't mean you should stay at this level. God is a God of increase. He's always a God of increase. He always wants increase. But while you are increasing, 
Thank God for what you do have. Because when you do that, you shift your focus and you put your focus on what God has done and is doing. And then you just, you just sometimes you just have to wait for other things to manifest that you can't have right now. And if your focus is on things you cannot have at the moment, then it's always somewhere in the future and you'll never enjoy the present. And that's why it's called a gift, I think, with the turtle guy on Kung Fu Panda. Anyways, like half, half of you saw that. But anyways, you know, the, the, the present is a gift, amen? And we just need to be thankful for what God has done. Now, let me show you a couple more verses. John chapter 6 and verse 10. I want to pull this up here. John chapter 6 and verse 10. This is so good. Then Jesus, now this is the feeding of, I think the feeding of the 5,000, if I'm not mistaken, the feeding of the 5,000. And it says, then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, why did he put, why did they put this in the word? Make the people sit down. And why did Jesus tell them? to make the people sit down. You know, he could have made them sit down and never put it in the word. And it really wouldn't have necessarily taken away from the story. So why did he put that in there? Because he's telling us to come to a place of rest. Because the people at this point, they had been with him for many days. They were hungry. They had no food. The disciples said, you know, send them away. And Jesus said, well, they're hungry. And, you know, he said, well, why don't you feed them? And they said, we don't have enough food. And they said, what do you got? And they said, we got five loaves and two fish. Some translations say fishes, which is in proper English. But basically, you don't have enough food to feed all of these people. But Jesus said, what do you have? And then look at this. It says, now, there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number of about 5,000. That was just the men didn't count the women and children. Look at verse 11. And it says, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, what did he do first? He gave thanks. He distributed them to the disciples and disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. Provision was there, not because of what they didn't have, but because of what they did have. Provision comes from what you do have, not from what you don't have. Our provision comes from a supernatural God that is far above and beyond any natural circumstance that exists. It does not matter in the natural what you don't have. If you need something, your source isn't based off of your natural resources. It's based off of your heavenly resource. And there is not enough lack that would be greater than the amount of provision that God has. That's powerful. Hallelujah. So your your provision comes from what you do have, not from what you don't have. Let me read one more uh, passage here about this. This is so good. Again, this is about shifting focus, and this will destroy the spirit of mammon working in our life concerning finances. Let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8, and if we can pull that up there really fast. And look here, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to, I think Zarephath is how you say that. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Doesn't sound like much of a guy, does it? But the Spirit of God was on him to do this thing. 
So she said, as the Lord your God lives, in other words, I'm telling you the truth, buddy, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour and a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she ate, and her household ate for many days. It's awesome. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which she spoke by Elijah. And then the last verse, now it happened after these things that the son of the woman, uh, actually, that didn't mean to include that verse in there, but that was awesome. He got sick, and then Elijah, I think he died, right? And then Elijah raised him from the dead, so that was awesome. But anyways, here's the point is that she didn't have enough in the natural, but Elijah shifted her focus. She took what she did have, and the provision was there. Look at what you, not only just look at what, what God, uh, who God is, but look at what he's given you in the natural. Your provision will come, whatever it is, from what you have, even in your hand, even in your possession right now. And when we can see these things and we shift our focus from what we don't have, we get into thanksgiving and thank God for what we do have. Remember, Jesus gave thanks before he broke the bread. Why does it say that? It's because it was a focus shift from the lack, but he gave thanks for what he did have, and then it began to multiply. It's a principle for us to operate by. If we need more, we need to start from a place of thanksgiving. Man, I'm telling you, this is so simple, but this is, this is like, this is the cat's meow right now. I'm, I can feel it in the spirit. Like you need to, you need to take what I'm saying and say, I'm going to do this. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to start to be thankful because we get in, we get in a, a, a mode just naturally to where we, we want to see more. We want to see things better. We, all of that. And I'm with you on that. But we can get so focused on, on the things that we, we need or want or don't have that we just flat out forget to stop and go, God, thank you. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. Thank you that I have food on the table. Thank you that I have a car to drive. Thank you that I have a job. Thank you. you could, whatever it is for your life, you can thank God for so much. And when you do, when we do that, all of a sudden, our focus shifts and then the provision is right there. Whatever it is that we need, it's right there. Hallelujah. You know, it says at the very end of Hebrew, or, uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these natural things will be added unto you. Well, I believe that the scripture in most cases is parallel. So if they'll be added because you seek the kingdom of God, what would happen if you don't seek the kingdom of God? I think you'll find people that are in more in need because they're not doing the spiritual principle first and right of giving God thanks, and it cuts them off from the blessing. And it's not even God <clears throat> going, you ungrateful brat, you, I'm not going to bless you. Just starve to death. You know, that's not the situation, but it, it puts yourself, it puts us in a position where it actually stops the blessing from flowing in our life. Amen. I have to move on to the flesh side. Do you have something to say? Oh, my gosh. I was just going to say that um, I love right in all that scripture and um, where were we reading? John? No. John and John. When, so Jesus, so 
they saw the need. They saw that there was tons of people. And um, I think it was Peter said, what are we supposed to do, Lord? Like uh, all these people, he said, should we send them away? Because we don't have enough food. And I love what the Lord said to Peter. He said, Peter, what do, what do you have? What do you have? And so then they began to say, well, we have only these um, fishes and these loaves, but it's not enough. And the Lord just, he showed them. He, he started to tell them what to do. So in that place where we start looking at what we have, he begins to give you strategy on how to multiply. And I love that. It's like shifting that focus and beginning to look at what you have, not what you don't have. And then that is when, like I said, the strategy came and multiplication actually happened in the disciples' hands, not in Jesus' hands, because he blessed yeah. the bread and he gave it to them and he told them to distribute it. But he distributed it to all the people who were sitting down, who had brought that bread to the Lord, had blessed it, and then the multiplication came. And yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, that is so good. It is so good to look at what you have and not what you don't what you don't have because the Lord is the one who wants to show you yes. how the multiplication can come, how the strategies can come. He can give you knowledge and wisdom and understanding, and that is why he gave um he told Solomon, he said, you have asked for the right thing when Solomon, the Lord came to Solomon and he said, what do you want, Solomon? Anything and you want. Anything. He could have had anything. And he said, I want wisdom on how to lead well, because wisdom is the place where you get strategy to cause the multiplication to come. Yes. Because it's not for a selfish gain. It's for the benefit of the kingdom. You see, Solomon was for the benefit of the kingdom. He said, how can I grow the kingdom? Yeah. How can I lead the kingdom well? Yes. Solomon wanted to see the kingdom grow. He wanted to steward the kingdom well. And so he asked for wisdom. And I believe that's a picture of what Jesus was showing the disciples, that when you look at what you have and you bring it to me and you position yourself with thanksgiving and rest, I can give you the wisdom. I can give you the strategy yes. you need in order to cause the multiplication to come yes. and he fed the like tons of people yes. I love that so it wasn't just and they ate till they were so full so think about eating and being stuffed and then there was a leftover oh right. my gosh I love that right. so then when we went home you know because they had been gone for a long time I think the Lord just saw that need and he was like it's fine for the journey home you're gonna have fishes and loaves to eat while you're going home so it's great so his provision is always he always has foresight for the future too and you can yes. see this with the widow woman and he didn't read um the rest but the boy he died but elijah was there to raise him so the lord yeah. provided elijah for the widow woman in that season i'm like oh my gosh sometimes we're so short-sighted when we're looking at things in the natural instead of looking at things in the spiritual that we we can't have the strategy. We can't have the wisdom of God when we're looking in the natural. It comes with praise and thanksgiving and rest. Yes. Yeah, that is so That is so good. We're going to have to get to the flesh side next week, but I want to I say this because this, I don't want to cut this off. This is so good. You know, when you're talking about the multiplication that it happened 
you know, as it was in their hands. And that's true. It didn't happen in Jesus' hands. He blessed it. He gave it to them. And then as they handed it out, it began to multiply in their hands. And that's the deal is that the Lord wants to give us wisdom and show us how to bring multiplication into our situation, no matter what it is, but even specifically concerning finances. Let me tell you something about wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is the, and if you could write this principal and principal, or we wouldn't say pal, we would say both principal, but for the sake of explanation, principal, P-A-L, P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L, and then principal. I want to make a, I want to make a point here. P-R-I-N-C-E-I-P-A-L. One ends in P-A-L and one ends in P-L-E. I'll let you figure out how to spell it. So um, there you go. I want, to, I want to tell you something. What, this is what the word says. It's extremely important. It's close enough because we're out of time. Principal, P-A-L. The Bible says that wisdom is, and I know we don't say principal, but I'm using it to make, to make a difference here. I'm saying it to make a difference. The Bible says that, that wisdom is the princi- not the principal thing, but the principal thing. You say, what in the world is the difference? P-A-L is in reference to governing. P-L-E is what gets implemented because of the governing. Governing. So in other words, wisdom is the governing thing and everything else gets put in its proper place when we seek wisdom first. This is why Solomon asked the Lord for wisdom because he could have anything he wanted, anything he needed to be able to do whatever it is that he wanted or the Lord wanted him to do if he would just have wisdom because it was the governing factor. Oh my gosh. What is it that we need concerning our own lives and handling finances and stewarding and seeing increase? This is, a, this, is a, this is a paradigm shift in our thinking to where what we've been doing, you know, there, again, there's no condemnation. I never want anyone to feel like, oh, I just felt so beat up and he just, you know, I'm in debt and he's so against debt and whatever. Listen, we, we have to at some point step back and go, okay, what we're doing is not working like it should. Agreed? I've had to do that with many things in my life. I'm like, okay, I'm done beating my head against the wall and just saying that we're blessed and, and God wants us to be blessed so that we can establish his covenant in the earth. I'm done saying things, not seeing results, and then pretending like I don't see the lack of results. At some point, you have to come back and go, okay, God, I know your will, I know your word, but why aren't we seeing it happen? What, where, where's the gap here? And I truly believe that what she was saying there is the multiplication comes in our hands, but, but what we have to have in order to see it multiply, it's not just to take physical money and say, Jesus, multiply it. Like, you know, I've seen some weird stuff over the years and it, it, none of it ever pans out. But what I've found is that when you have wise people who do wise things with what the Lord has given them, then they will see increase. And the church needs to, they need to stay in faith, but don't just stay in faith and keep confessing. We're going to be blessed and we're going to increase in the Nazi increase. We need to stop back, step back and say, God, what is going on here? Give me wisdom for this so that I can see increase so that things can start to work like your word says. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.